Hi guys, Jacqueline and Mani here. We are your hosts of the Metabody podcast. We're both technologists and entrepreneurs and deeply interested in how tech impacts society. On this podcast, we explore what it means to be human in a world of exponential digital change. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Metabody podcast. This podcast is all about what it means to be human in the digital age. And today we are diving deep into the idea of free will and technology addiction. Um, I'm Monty O'Brien, and with me in the studio here is Jacqueline Houghton, and we have a very special guest today. Um, But before we uh, introduce you to our special guest, uh, let me tell you a little bit more about um, this concept of free will and tech addiction. So we'd like to pose to you, how can you be sure that you are consciously choosing to use your phone and other tech on a daily basis? Um, We're going to talk about what it means to make conscious choices when it comes to technology and the big impact that uh, technology addiction is having on society as a whole. And today we're going to sit down with mobile app marketer Glenn Roberts for a roundtable discussion on free will and tech, including emotional manipulation, technology addiction, and why this matters today more than ever. So we're excited to dive in. Yeah, and Glenn Roberts is the founder of Appiness, an app marketing agency based in Chicago, Illinois. He is a native of Austin, Texas. He's also been involved in the tech startup world for over a decade and has guided multiple companies through accelerators and seed round funding. Mm-hmm. And we have done some work together with you, Glenn. Thank you for joining us today. Yes, we have. Thank you all for having me. I'm glad to be able to be here and chat with you all about free will and tech addiction. Yeah, actually, I, I think it's so funny when we were talking about this idea together, we were all on a call. And do you remember uh, who was it? Alexa, your speaker, like chimed in. <laughs> That's right. Uh, one of our first or second phone calls ever. because um, I live in a studio right here in Chicago. I accidentally mentioned her name and she popped on and wanted to take a request from all three of us. Yeah, (laughs) such a good, we should cut that audio in because that was such a good example of uh, how obtrusive technology can be and how it's always listening. And here's here's that that clip. Or the fact that Alexa heard me talk about, for example, um, I was talking about KitchenAid's Dan Mixers the other day. and Oh my God. She's just like... <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you hear her? Is yeah. She, oh, yeah. I will not bring Alexa into my home. As a marketer, I'm like, no. I told Andy, I'm like, Alexa is not going into our bedroom and he is not moving. It's because yeah. it's creepy. <laughs> yeah. Most definitely, yeah. Is. it doesn't matter, you know, if you're at home or even when you're out walking or if you're on a plane, tech is always listening to you. And that's, you know, how it's been designed to really kind of overtake and influence our lives, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I think so. All three of us work in this space, too. So I'm sure we're going to like chime in on our role when it comes to um, technology and making it super easy and fun to use and essentially addicting for the public. Um, but we've got obviously we've got backgrounds in this. And I think the first um, topic we wanted to discuss and, you know, there's been a lot of like 
articles about people being addicted to their smartphones, yes. But I think that it, it really goes beyond just like using your smartphone on a regular basis. Um, it kind of expands to things like like the apps you choose to use and why you choose to use them, um, which we why we which is why we thought it was such a good you were such a great host for this episode, Glenn, to give some insight into basically like how did we get here? Like I was um, hoping that you could explain, you know, to kind of like your everyday person who uses like Instagram on a daily basis, like, you know, how app developers and marketers have designed tech to be addicting. Like, why has this happened and how did they do it? Like in your experience, um, how have we made like a a technology to be so addicting? You know, technology has been made to be so addicting because we've become so dependent on technology throughout, you know, our entire lives as humans. Right. Because before, I mean, even if you look back like a decade ago, most people, you know, you just function on your smartphone, but now it's went beyond that. You have your smartphone, you have your smart watches, you have your smart devices like Alexa and things that we've talked about. And it's kind of a whole entire ecosystem that us as consumers have become kind of accustomed to really relying on the function you know, kind of through, you know, everyday life. Um, everything is really designed to be very habit addicting and it, to be a necessity for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that concept of habit forming apps, I find to be so interesting. Um, Jacqueline, why, why do you think, well, yeah, I would love to um, hear from you on just, I guess, our background, like what made us interested in even talking about this? Like, what would you say to like the everyday person um, in terms of like the way that apps are designed to be habit forming? What would I say to the everyday person? I would say, be cautious. Um, There's a lot of research coming out recently in neuroscience that talks about how we make decisions and that a lot of our decisions are actually um, made before we're conscious of making them. And these are like like the small split second decisions, not necessarily like, what am I going to be in life? You know, the small scale, what am I going to buy? What direction am I going in? And um, they're easily manipulated. And so if you think of that on a big scale, um, it's a little bit scary. And so, yeah, I would say try to be really, really aware of your behavioral patterns and like try to wake yourself up and and question, why am I doing this? Why am I looking at my phone? Why am I buying this? Why do I even think this? Because I can guarantee you that a lot of that has been dictated by people behind the scenes. Totally. Uh, okay. So before we get too ethereal, maybe we should give some like specific examples. Um, Glenn, do you want to touch on some specific examples of the way that us as app designers and marketers like influence action? Like, gamification or yeah what what do you have to say on that note absolutely i'll give you a couple of examples just going back to what jacqueline was saying in terms of like how us as app marketers and developers and designers are influencing purchase decisions like let's go back to the amazon alexa something that we talked about earlier and smart devices just asking that a question to amazon alexa that really opens up the floodgates um, in terms of how you as a consumer are going to be influenced by an advertisement from someone like us. Um, you know, for example, you could see ads across social media. Um, you'll see ads in other apps that you might use. Um, you might even get emails <laughs> from, you know, different companies based off of 
the based off of what you have searched for, asked for, or purchased in the past. Um, and then another example is just you know even thinking about loyalty programs and freebies because consumers love things that are free. Um, for someone like me that's an app marketer, it's something that I can very easily capitalize on just by pushing loyalty programs and freebie programs through you know mobile apps. And I can you know for example give you a special discounted offer for a free sandwich, or you can get twenty times the amount of points um, in a loyalty program just by visiting an in-store location. You know what my customers and clients are doing now is they know the customers are attached to their phones at the head. Mm-hmm. So what, so, you know, what we do on our end is, you know, we design programs that get people, you know, in the app, we notify them, we target them with ads. Really. It's just, you know, in this kind of day and age, you bombard people <laughs> across your electronic devices instead of in the past where, you know, it may have been print or TV. And so that's, you know, mm-hmm. some of the things that we're able to do on our end. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, one thing that I try to share with my friends and family that I think that the everyday consumer doesn't think about is that apps are valued based off of user engagement. So there's like a monetary association with how frequently you can get someone to use your app. Like if you can get if you can get uh, 50 people to open your app four times a week, then it's like highly valuable. So mm-hmm. Everything we do from design to incentives, it's all with that goal in mind to get people to use the app, not just download it, use it in their everyday life over and over and over again, right? Yeah. And I think like me, I have a design background, so I have so much appreciation and love for what like the impact of like the Apple effect, you know, like just Apple as a brand from a design perspective, being user friendly and this era of just making tech beautiful and uh, user centered. I mean, I have so much appreciation for that. But on the other coin, and, you know, that's what we do for our clients, too. We help to make their apps really user friendly. And then, but then it kind of sparks this conversation where it's like, OK, and once every app has done this and now we're all like hooked on multiple apps and now it's like consuming our day, like it gets a little crazy, you know, when you think about that as like the big picture impact um, on society as a whole, I guess, you know. Um, totally. Psych a job. Yeah. 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 I, mean, I, I would, I would 150% agree. You know, like when I think about like the different programs that I build, you know, for my clients, like when it comes to getting users back in the app, I love actually doing it. And I can appreciate like the technical process and the design process that goes into keeping users engaged, you know, in my clients' apps. On the flip side, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a gray area for me as a consumer when I'm actually then getting targeted, um, you know, by other apps and, um, you know, companies to stay engaged with them. So it's always trying to find um, some sort of balance. Yeah. Yeah. Jacqueline, what about you? Do you have any examples of like reward systems or kind of triggers that you yourself is, have experienced or observed um, at, you know, working in technology that has been um, used by app developers to get you to, to use their app over and over again? 
Yeah, there's one thing that I have noticed. I've had this personal experience, and I, as a as a marketer, um, <laughs> think it's really messed up. Is that idea of FOMO, the fear of missing out? Um, it you know no creates doubt. anxiety. You feel inadequate. You know irritation. Um, and that really sucks. And it's happening everywhere, um, yeah. not just through advertisements, but just, you know, looking on social media and looking at other people's lives who uh, we all post the most perfect aspects of our lives is not the complete 100 percent truth. And so it's like this fantasy world that we're looking at and then comparing ourselves to it. And yeah, it's intense. Mm. All of oh these God. things that we have to deal with. Right. I'm so glad you brought that up on this idea of FOMO, actually, because yeah. um, I, I one of the one of the recommended readings I have for someone who is interested in this topic is um, this book called Hooked by Dr. Nir Ayal. And he talks about the way that you build habit forming products such as technology or, or apps and what you just pinpointed was the idea of a trigger, like an emotional trigger. So one of the things he talks about the concepts in this book is how you can develop habit forming products is by getting people to, um, by developing triggers. And there's two different types, external trigger being something that like is proactive from the company. So for example, an advertisement, delivering an advertisement that prompts you to open an app. That's an example of an external trigger, whereas an internal trigger is where the app developer can get you to the point where internally you're triggered to open the app. So in this case with Facebook, for example, like the internal trigger might be I'm bored or the internal trigger could be I'm lonely. And that prompts you to open Facebook. And before you know it, you're down this Facebook newsfeed rabbit hole and you don't even remember what triggered the behavior. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I just find that to be really interesting to to know that this is like, you know, um, a a very. What's the word? Um, This is a ploy. This is like part of the plan for app developers to get you to use it and to for there to be that emotional association. The fear of missing out is like prompting you to use it. Anyway, it's like by design, I guess is my point. Um, So kind of scary. I guess um, my next question for you both is why should our listeners care about this. So um, obviously we've, again, like we've come through this era of like, yes, we're addicted to our smartphones. This isn't anything new, but I guess um, in your opinion, I'd love to know why should our listeners care and why should they care right now more than ever? So I'll pitch it to you, Glenn, first. Yeah, I'm going to actually approach this not only just from the thought process perspective in terms of purchasing and being conscious when you're purchasing items, but I'm actually going to approach it even more so from the privacy aspect of things. Um, you know, with developers and marketers and designers like ourselves, like I, I mentioned this earlier, but we really have kind of bridged the fine line gray area between the separation of users from their mobile devices as well as advertising. Like that just, that line has become so blurred now. Um, you know, even like we were talking about with like smart devices, um, you know, going back to the smart speaker, um, that 
we were discussing earlier, I think right now uh, a recent study from Nielsen that's showing about 24% of U.S. households own a smart speaker, with more than 40% of those households having multiple speakers. So it's just, <laughs> you don't, you know, for like some of the things that we discussed earlier in terms of how developers are sourcing data from these different kind of mechanisms like an Alexa or like your mobile device, and then you're being retargeted, um, you know, with advertisements and just really being bombarded at whole, at so many different levels. It's, you know, when's kind of enough is enough in terms of that line between and having the fine line of balance between privacy as well as also still being engaged. And how do we approach that line, you know, as marketers and designers and developers? Mm-hmm. The line between like privacy and convenience. Like yeah, it might absolutely. be convenient to ask Alexa about KitchenAid mixers or whatever. And then, absolutely. yeah, versus, oh, now I'm being bombarded with ads for different kitchen products because I mentioned it to Alexa. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think what's really scary is the danger points when computers are able to overpower our weaknesses, when algorithms can sense our emotional vulnerabilities and exploit them for profit. Um, There's a a quote Mm -hmm. here by former Googler Tristan Harris. He said, the people behind the screen have a lot more power than the people in front of the screen. And he thinks that tech is downgrading humans. Mm-hmm. There was a recent study that said it showed seniors have a better attention span than millennials. And I think the overall the attention span has reduced from like 11% to 8%. It's kind wow. of interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was going to say that doesn't surprise me at all. And we'll kind of, I'll kind of cover this a little bit later on. But in terms of like attention span, like think about the impact that, you know, these devices and these programs and stuff are having on societal relationships, right? Whether it's friends or whether it's families. I mean, I could think about, you know, 20, 25 years ago before mobile devices were even really existed. That's when cell phones were like the size of, you know, small bricks. I mean, I could go to dinner with my family, with my parents, and, you know, we would talk and have conversation. If you look at what it's like now, it's a hundred percent the complete opposite side of things. So, I mean, technology has its conveniences, but it also kind of has its pitfalls in terms of relationships and um, mm-hmm. privacy. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Um, there is a really great recent interview with a former Facebook exec that maybe we can cut in that talks about how he feels sort of regretful of his role in developing products that are helping to tear apart the fabric of our society, basically. This, um, is, this is the guy I just quoted here, Tristan Oh, Harris. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Good. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I think that it's more important than ever to have this discussion because because of exactly what you talked about, Glenn, the smart speaker. To me, we're at this pivotal point where you know, technology is going to no longer be bound by the 
hardware that we have in our hands. Like we are so hooked on smartphones, but you still can physically put your phone away. But now with like the internet of things, I'm talking smart refrigerators, smart thermostats, smart security, camera devices, and beyond. We're at this pivotal moment where it's like technology is going to be just like ever present, like no matter where we are, it's going to be very difficult for us to physically extricate ourselves from our tech soon. And so it's really important, I think, for consumers to think about that big picture impact of this like addiction. I mean, like imagine and people are already like chipping themselves and stuff for the convenience. Again, I think it was in um, Sweden or Switzerland. People are starting to um, get chips uh, inserted in their bodies so that they can be conveniently can like unlock their door without a key and like pay for things. And I'm like, you know, imagine an entertainment layer on top of that where it's like, oh, now developers can create some sort of like a virtual game and deliver advertisements and you can't physically remove yourself from this. Like, mm -hmm. what does it mean to be human if we're always connected to our technology in this way? Well, and also if you think about just the beginnings of the attention span going down, the more distracted that we become, the easier it will become for us to be manipulated. Mm -hmm. which is super scary. And when artificial intelligence starts getting built into that, um, it could become a little bit crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, Jacqueline, just about like, you know, uh, control over one's thoughts and back to that idea of like, again, what does it mean to be human? And I think a big part of that is like free thinking, free will, you know, like, being able to shape one's own opinion. But if you're not taking the time out to go within and you're always like engaged in this outer community or this outer digital world, that's like, you know, when are you ever going to internally check in with your instincts? Like, for example, how easily, how easy would it be for even one of the three of us to get physically where we need to go without Google Maps right now? Like, could yeah. you actually navigate your way to a destination, like, without? Absolutely. <laughs> right? Absolutely not. I mean, also, I mean, right. not even from a navigation perspective, but especially here where I live in Chicago, I mean, even just checking, like, a train schedule and when's the next train, I wouldn't know what to do without without having my phone <laughs> or the internet. Yeah. yeah. And I'm always in a different country, so I wouldn't be able to do anything that I'm doing right now without having some sort of cellular device connected to a map. It would be impossible. Yeah. <laughs> it it yeah. kind of just makes it makes me think even from like a communication perspective, like what did people do in other countries, you know, previously, like if you were visiting without mm -hmm. without translation, mm -hmm. um, without like Google Translate, for example. I just think in general that we've become so dependent on technology it's almost like it, it almost makes us lazy as human beings as we become less you know reliant on our own individual thinking and become reliant on technology to just do basic every everyday tasks that people have done for hundreds of years yeah i remember reading an article a while back about how with the advent of the internet our brains have literally rewired themselves in a way that um allows us to remember where information is stored on the internet versus actually storing it in our brain. So like the actual neural network Ooh. is about remembering how to connect to the internet to access that information versus us remembering it ourselves, which is really mm. interesting. 
I have a question for you guys, though, just for like the next generation. Like, do you think we sound like old fogies right now being like, oh, technology? (laughs) Like, are we the people who insisted on like writing books by hand when the printing press was invented and the new generation's like, mom, it's a lot easier to just print your books. Like, you know, what would you say to someone who's like, okay, like, is it really that big of a deal for me to know, like have every street name memorized? Like, what would you say to the next generation who's like up and coming? Who's like, whatever. I mean, there's probably a little bit of that. Sorry, go ahead, Glenn. (laughs) Oh no, I was going to say pretty much the same thing. There's definitely a little bit of that, but you know, when I think about, you know, what makes us humans, and what makes us function in society is individualism. And you're losing out on that individualism when you become so reliant on technology where to the point it's subconsciously making decisions for you. Yeah, definitely. Jacqueline, anything to add? Yeah, I was just going to mention um, in Neil Stevenson's book, The Diamond Age, it's a really awesome um uh, science fiction book and they it's based in the future and the kids in the book talk about um, letters of the alphabet as being these like weird amorphous things because the technology that they use um, everything is done by voice and they know what words are but they don't know how to write they don't know how to spell they don't know how letters work um, so this conversation just kind of reminded me of that like oh that's what it's going to be like eventually, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, probably yeah. we'll be plugged in. We'll be communicating through having shared visions, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. So interesting. Well, this is a runaway train technology, obviously. And obviously the three of us do love technology. We work in tech. I mean, I, I have a love hate relationship with it. Um, and you know, I'm so glad we had this conversation today. Um, I guess my last question for you both is any tips you can share for what people can do now, um, to, to kind of check themselves with their technology addiction, any takeaway tips, uh, I'll pass it to you, Glenn. Yeah. The, the main one I would say is it's not simply just, you know, putting your phone in another room and going to sleep without your phone because you covered this earlier, Monty. In terms of technology, now you have smart fridges. I mean, you have smart TVs, smart watches, pretty much everything's smart. Smart light switches. I mean, everything is kind of all tied in towards technology. One of the newer things that I've really liked with some of, for example, new Wi-Fi routers that are coming out, um, you have the ability to disable and schedule your Wi-Fi to be disabled from a certain amount of time on a daily basis. So for some of us that might have yeah, so for some of us that might have, you know, younger That's families cool. or if you just want to work on your, you know, on your kind of friendships and relationships, one of the things I've really been practicing here at home is when it comes for dinner time with me and my partner, I, I he doesn't know this, but I actually have the Wi-Fi disabled on our Google Wi-Fi router because what it does nice. is... Nice. <laughs> he doesn't <yeah>. know. <laughs> Andy, Andy, Andy does not know about this. I'm not going to let him listen to this so you all cannot send this <laughs> <Yeah>. to him. <laughs> but you know, like what it's done is because typically both of us, you know, we have iPhones, iPads, Android tablets. We would talk, but we would also be looking at different things on our wireless devices that weren't necessarily mobile phones. This is kind of a way to just kind of like reclaim some of us, right? As a couple, as humans, um, and 
as a relationship. And I think that that can apply to families. It can apply to pretty much anyone. I think it's, it's a good tip. Cause again, it's not just about separating yourself from your mobile device because you have tablets, phones, everything else now smart mm-hmm. and has some sort of connection to the internet. I love that Glenn. I had no idea. Um, those were out. That is super cool. I would also add, um, I try as often as I can to disconnect, but one thing that I do make sure I do regularly is um, go out at least one hour a day out of the house, out into nature, usually with my dogs. And um, I don't look at my phone at all. Uh, Sometimes I don't even bring it with me. Um, And that really brings a lot of peace. And when I don't do that, I start feeling a little bit crazy. So that can be a big help Mm -hmm. (laughs) to unplug. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. My biggest thing lately has been both the new, well, I guess it's somewhat new now, the functionality of the iPhone to that tracks your screen time. Have you guys looked at that at all? I've been like horrified mm-hmm. to look at that number. First of all, I, just, I disabled it. Oh, you disabled it? <laughs> I disabled it. <laughs> so you don't feel the guilt. Um, Another thing I didn't even realize was a thing was in Instagram, you can set a timer. So my Instagram account will tell me when I've used it for 15 minutes and I've tried to stick to it, like not just ignore that timer, but I mean, I'm like 15 minutes a day is enough. You know, I really feel like that, like anything beyond that is excessive. There's no reason for me to spend that much more time. Like I am trying to read physical books and just like disconnect, but that's like a small tip I have for people just to check themselves. Um, yeah. What else you guys like anything else that you could say to people in terms of like checking their technology addiction? I think one thing that is really important um, is meditation, because a part of this problem is that we're losing our attention spans. And the number one technique to help increase your attention span is meditation. So if you can integrate just a tiny piece of that on a daily basis, it could just be five minutes that will really help you to sort of compensate um, your distraction levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just being aware, hopefully. Anything mm-hmm. else, Glenn? What else do we forgot? What What have we forgotten to mention on this podcast? Any parting words of wisdom, Glenn? I mean, if you have the ability to do this, and I, this is something that's been very powerful for me, and it kind of goes back to what you were talking about, Mani, in terms of like your Instagram limiting your usage. If you have the ability to delete your social media profile, Mm -hmm. Um, studies have shown that especially facebook is one of the most top five used apps on any person's phone at all and people spend literally hours on it a day delete it um i unfortunately in the work that we're in i have not been i'm not allowed to delete my facebook but i have been allowed and have had the ability to delete my instagram account and what it's really done for me not indirectly is it's allowed me to a have more communication with friends and family directly um, whether that's a phone call or text message, it be, it allows me to actually enjoy the world more. Even if I'm just riding a train or even if I'm just, you know, walking throughout your through city, I'm not, you know, busy wondering what's next on Instagram or what is so-and-so doing. If I want to know, I can get together with them for a coffee. Mm-hmm. I love that. Actually, I'm so glad you said that because I wanted to say the same exact thing. I feel torn because the work that we do, I just simply can't deactivate my accounts, but I so recommend that you do if you're out there and you don't work in marketing or, you know, (laughs) advertising. Yeah, (laughs) it's so freeing. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Glenn. Jacqueline, any parting words of wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners? I do have just a a quick, interesting tidbit that I think is so fascinating. So there is a study um, conducted at Scotland's Dundee University in 2008, and they found that adults over the age of 55 who had grown up in a household with black and white television were more likely to dream in black and white. And I think that's fascinating in context of our whole conversation about how technology is impacting us in ways that we don't only really, don't totally understand yet, right? Oh, um. <laughs> fascinating. Good yeah. find, Jacqueline. Oh my gosh. Well, um, thank you both so much. This was so enjoyable. I love chatting with you both. Um, before we go, Glenn, can you share with people how they can find you online if they'd like to connect? Sure, definitely. And I enjoyed the chat as well. Feel free to uh, visit me online at www.findyourhappiness. That's A-P-P-Y-N-E-S-S dot com. Or shoot, feel free to shoot me an email. That's going to be Glenn with two ends at findyourhappiness.com as well. Awesome. And we will link to you in our show notes. Um, and for all of you listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. Jacqueline, thank you. Thank you. Um, If you liked this, please subscribe and leave us a review. And we'll look forward to chatting with you again soon on Metabody. Thanks again.